So <laughs> we are live right now. Uh, this is Barry Full Upstream number 23 here on Sunday morning. I know everyone's so pissed that we keep changing up the times on it, but you know we got to stay flexible if we want to keep it going. I got a birthday party to go to to my buddy later. Uh, his birthday today. We're gonna go over to St. Augustine and get turned up. So that should be some fun. How are you guys doing today? So, so good. <laughs> such an alcoholic. <laughs> in the morning. Oh man, he's pretty good. I I gotta start now, or the hangover is gonna come too early. So I just gotta be all day prepared. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but no, we're here with Alex, Brandon, Chris, and Darius on this Sunday morning. Let's start off talking about Chen. Uh, Chen had headed over to China. It seemed like he was doing some talks over there with different, just kind of exploring opportunities with uh, Len Lenovo and Xiaomi. Do you guys think that a Chinese uh, partnership would be a value add to BlackBerry? Yeah, I'll, I'll touch on this. Uh, we, I think we discussed it in our group earlier this week, and I think one of the, the coolest things that if, if a partnership were to come, one of the coolest things in my opinion would be if they licensed out the OS to these hardware manufacturers, and they kind of, because they have that cachet with their name, Lenovo and, and Xiaomi, and they're, they're well-known in the country, you could in, you could put in the BlackBerry 10 OS, and if it's good enough to run most of the Android apps, it might be able to to gain some traction with the with the conjunction of uh, the OS and those hardware manufacturer names. Yeah. I, I'd have to agree there. I mean, even if it's not like BlackBerry 10, just give give out the kernel, you know. Give out the just the QNX base as a reference platform, with mm -hmm. you know some slight ties in. Maybe like you know, as you said, maybe just go more Android with it. Yeah. We run an Android experience with Google Play services and all of that, but the OS being QNX, and yeah. and really like, I guess I I guess I'm struggling to find where the value is. Can you license Google, or rather Android, without being a Google OEM? Like, is that an, a a partnership deal that could even happen in this market? Yeah, I don't really see it like that. I think when it comes down to it, because, you know, Chan, I mean, Chen, he, he's he's mentioned that, you know, that's not really where he wants to go because it's a huge security risk, if you will. And and understanding, I, I know you mean, you know, James, in terms of kind of like licensing the kernel or, you know, licensing the OS without having to kind of have the bigger company putting their hands in, um, it's it's – it's a bigger issue in terms of because, one, you're dealing with a communist country, <laughs> and they want their hands in a lot of data because they like to control the, um, you know, the population. They like to control the country in terms of what their people are doing, and there's a lot of uh, requests in terms of the data control that they have going on. So that's one thing that Chin doesn't want to kind of uh, risk or, you know, jeopardize in terms of, you know, BlackBerry's name and, you know, their montage, if you will. Uh he doesn't want to, you know, jeopardize that, jeopardize that in, in any kind of form. Yes, it would be very dope if you could license the OS there because there's a lot of money to be spent. And I think that's also another thing that Chen um, kind of doesn't want to dwell in. He doesn't really want to start spending money all crazy because you have companies like Apple and Google who do have the money to spend in that in that market. But, I mean, that's a ton of money that you have to put there. I mean, you're thinking about billions of people from China alone. So... It's it's kind of a hard market, you know, when you look at it, not just marketing and trying to, you know, gain market share that is there, especially when you have a lot of companies that are just putting out cheap devices and, you know, they're flooding them out there everywhere as they go. But, you know, it, it's a give or take there. But, you know, I think with Chin, he wanted to 
get questions answered. He wanted to see what BlackBerry could potentially do. I think down the line they may, you know, provide um, some services, but and I think one of the first services might be like BBM. And I think if he does, you know, get BBM and BBM starts gaining traction, you know, greatly in in China, like that's a lot of revenue that it can help those numbers that they want to achieve in terms, you know, financial goals and fiscal year 16 and such. Mm-hmm. I think they're they're shooting for 100 million by fiscal 16 from BBM alone, which yeah. which at least from my perception of that number would make BBM more or less break even. Like I don't think it's actually going to be making a lot of money for them in terms of actual service revenue. And and really where's that service revenue going to come from? A lot of those things are going to be enterprise based. So we got to look at it from that perspective where there aren't consumer to enterprise a big ratio difference between the amount of customers. But then again, the prices that you can charge them. It, it's interesting to see kind of when Bez 12 came out here. You know, we have Chen and, and the media talking about you know China. You know, the, the Lenovo talks. I know we talked about that a couple upstreams ago, and people were going frantic over Lenovo putting a bid in for BlackBerry at fifteen dollars. And then you know we have these talks about him actually going over talking about opportunities. And then <laughs> a couple of days ago, he signs a deal with Samsung. You know. <laughs> Kind of comes out of nowhere, really. But he's playing all the fields. It's interesting, kind of like the Apple-IBM deal where IBM is reselling Apple products over through their MDM solution. Now BlackBerry is kind of doing that using Knox and Samsung to resell Bez 12. So you really just see a strong services kind of grind for them. I don't know what you guys think, but do you guys think BlackBerry is really transitioning at this point to be focused solely on, on services and then a few devices therein to support some more? Yeah, I mean, it's... One of the things that I liked that Chen said was, you know, all these companies, you could, you could announce a partnership, but, you know, who really cares about the partnership until both of them are making money? No one really cares that there's this partnership between IBM and Apple because, like, are we seeing anything from it? Are either of them making money from it yet or whatever? So I like that he announced this and he really didn't, he didn't want people to go crazy about it. He's like, we need to make money from it first and then that's when... It'll be a nice partnership, and we'll, you know, appreciate each other and everything. And it, it seems like BlackBerry, you know, they broke down all the numbers where, okay, they're going to be losing money from uh, people transitioning over to BlackBerry 10 from Legacy because they're getting, I think, about $4.50 per user per month who's currently on Legacy, and that's the, the what is it, ETF or something? They said it was going to, you know, like, the, their service revenue was going to half. Right, it's the SAR, yeah, essentially, the service yeah, access SAR, right Yeah, okay, yeah, so that was essentially going to go from, I think it was $2.8 billion, um at the beginning of the year. By the end of the year, it'll be $1.8 billion, and then they're projecting next year it will be yeah, $800,000. So it's rapidly going down, and like that's like a lot of money to throw the wayside, so they need to do something serious, and them going so serious across cross-platform services um, and software is such a big thing. It, it allows them to reach a much larger audience than what they're currently, what what they currently had before. And it's pretty obvious that these carriers they don't like these service fees, and mm-hmm. they would love to just get people off of BlackBerry. So as long as BlackBerry, you know, I, I just love that they're not focusing like Apple is for the Apple ecosystem, and then Android for the Android ecosystem. They're doing BlackBerry for every ecosystem. That just allows them to grow so much larger than they ever were, really. Right. I mean, before we look at those service access fees that you were you were talking about, Alex, and really that was scoped out to a maximum of about 80 million users. You know, 
it, it yeah. capped right there. Now, it, when you're t touching devices like Apple and Samsung and all the other Androids out there and being able to get service revenue off of all of them, you're talking way more potential than just 80 million. So absolutely, I guess the uh, yeah. the playing field for them is a lot broader now. It's now executing on that field and bringing the numbers in. As Brandon mentioned, you got to sell it. They said about 17 times um, the opportunity, and I think 10 times the amount of revenue per person. So right now, say they're making $4.50, they could possibly make about $60 per person, which will never happen, but that's what they could possibly make. So about 10 times what they're currently making uh, monetarily, and then they could also reach a 17 times as large audience. So you know, multiply the $4.50 per month times 10, and then multiply that by 17, and then BlackBerry could end up being but, like, you know, yeah. But I think uh, what Chen was alluding to when he was speaking is that he was saying, he kind of made a point of mentioning, and this isn't quote for quote, but he kind of said, when I say we're going to double our revenue from software, it's not something that I'm saying. It's a mathematical projection I've actually done and run the numbers through that leads me to believe that we're going to, be doubling our software revenue. So I'd be interested to see if, if they double that software revenue, if they, if they come somewhere close to doubling it, whether that, whether that will kind of balance out the loss in service revenue. And I, and I wonder if they're actually going to exceed it. You know, Chen has always been like, you know, under promise, over deliver. We've seen well, that. He has to be, yeah. He right. has to be. Mm -hmm. But being absolute actually holds yourself to that. You know, Heinz was not very good at that, at least from a CEO perspective. Uh, on delivering those things, not only like on time, but as well delivering them in a manner that was, you know, within a promise scope for your your customers' expectations. Uh, when we when we look at it, we you know we see the Bez 12 client apps going across device, BBM meetings launching, as well their access and identity solutions. There's really quite a bit that they're going with with Bez 12, and it all seems to kind of tailor off of one another. So you may have like basic level access for X price, but then you know multiply that by another number and continue building on the tiers. There are so many add-on features that they can bundle in. It's, it is crazy, as Alex had mentioned, like a 17% availability to really kind of touch a lot more platforms, especially I think they announced protected for uh, iOS and Android. So now that's available as well. Previously it was just BlackBerry devices and BlackBerry Balance enabled devices. So again, there's broadening the scope of all that they're doing. What did you guys think about BBM Meetings and the launch price of twelve fifty? When you actually look at some of their competitors, it's a it's a valuable pricing model to ride Zoom's service for basically all of it and adding in a, a unique UI there. Because really, their next top competitor is at like thirty forty dollars, and they're at twelve fifty with it. What did you guys think of it, Chris? I think it's a great um, great value. I, right now, I believe BBM Meetings is only available for best customers, but it's supposed to come towards the consumer side. Soon, isn't it? Yeah, John Sims had alluded to 2015. So, you know, okay. with the consumer OS that comes in 2013, I think, or 2015, excuse me, I think we'll, uh, we'll get BBM meetings there as well. I just like how they've what they've done to kind of refine it compared to what other WebEx and uh, what other you know meeting software is currently implementing. I, the part where it actually rings you for the the actual meeting. I think that's a pretty cool little function that they kind of built into the software. I think it's going to be I think it's going to be successful. And the fact that it's separate uh, from actually from Bez and its own entity, I think is definitely a good direction to go with it. It, it definitely gives them a leverageability, and and again, when we look at their cross-platform services, we see Blend, we see Protected, we see we see BBM meetings. They really do have a pretty encompassing 
communication solution for for enterprises. Yeah, they're portable. And, and really, like it is, and it's getting bigger every every quarter. It seems so. I'm I'm at least very impressed with that. I think the price is kind of right on the money for participants of 25 groups. 12.50 seems accurate. Brandon, Alex, from a developer side. What is your contention with it being a separate application as opposed to how it could be implemented, knowing how BlackBerry 10 already kind of has principles of design? Well, I think uh, there's some... Uh, I'm kind of on a different side of the uh, the sphere here. I kind of I kind of wish it was integrated into the BBM app just because, you know, people are using the app. You don't want to be invoking another app and have to go to a diff totally different app when technically it's BBM as well. And it's like you can you can access a meeting, you can start a me meeting from a BBM group, um, but then you also have it in the BBM meetings app, and it's kind of like why why isn't it just one app instead of two separate? You brought up a point about you know maybe multitasking, having two different apps. You can message in the BBM app while you have the BBM meetings app going on with the the, the video chat and stuff. Which I mean that's a great point, but I would have liked to see some some of a more fine-tuned experience and have it all into one app instead of needing to have various uh, multiple apps to do the same thing. Brandon. Yeah, oh. no, go ahead, Chris. Sorry, I was just going to ask a quick question. Do you think that the reason why they haven't, they didn't incorporate BBM meetings with BBM is kind of the same reason why we haven't seen uh, video chat go cross-platform between the other between Android and iOS, just because it, maybe there's problems, or not problems, but there's roadblocks in kind of, uh, I guess, uh, implementing that solution. Do you think that's why they are piggybacking off of Zoom to use their services? James brought up a pretty good point. He was like, well, maybe they just want to update meetings separately from BBM, and so that they have, like, the BBM meetings app separately so that it can just... It just plugs into the BBM app and gets invoked from it, which I mean that can make some sense too. But then, at the same time, it, it just for for me uh, as from a consumer side, I know it's not it's not targeted at me, so I just find it confusing how they they keep distinguishing different BBM features when they're all BBM, but then they're all separate as well. Well, so but but you know that's just my point of view. See, I, I, I I'm with you on this one, Brandon. But Alex, please chime yeah. in. No, because I, I want there. There's some things. For instance, there's already video chatting between BBM, you know, users. So I'm sure, you know, maybe down the line, BBM will allow just a normal video chat. You know, hopefully, just normal video chat from an iPhone to an Android or whatever. And yeah. in that instance, BBM meetings, it's fine to be a separate app because you already have a separate video chat integrated within BBM. Do you really want to start mixing? Like, you might start turning BBM into a much larger app, and then you run into problems where, like, simply it loading up, it has to load more things, and but then it becomes a more bulky app or whatever. But, but my view on that is, for instance, you, like, when you have a Google Hangout or something, I know, I know BBM meetings, to an extent, could be competing with WebEx, uh, Cisco GoToMeetings, and maybe to an extent in some companies, Google Hangouts. You can have a one-on-one -on -one chat in Google Hangouts, and you can show, like, it'd be, like, it's nice to show graphs or something through your computer screen sharing and stuff. So when I look at BBM meetings, I don't see it as an addition to BBM video. What I yeah. see it as is I see it something that, that should be replacing B BBM videos because you can have that person-to-person -person, um, video chat, but it also has the added benefits of being able to show your screen, graphs, different things, share files, and stuff like that. And that's, yeah. why, that's where I kind of get confused where it's like, Okay, we got BBM video for one-to-one -one person chats with 
BBM without BlackBerry devices, but it's like, where does that really fit in with this new BBM meetings? And why aren't those two kind of working together or, or maybe just combining or like taking over one another? You know, they might also be learning from this though, because you know, so many people complain about BBM channels being built into BBM because people forget about channels. So having that I, that separate icon on your phone that is BBM meetings might actually cause people to use it more because otherwise if it was just another tab and BBM already has a lot of tabs in the overflow that people forget about, like channels for instance, or if the only way that you're able to start a meeting was to click in the top right corner and to invite them to a meeting, it kind of makes sense for they possibly see so much growth opportunity in BBM meetings that they don't want to tie it in BBM because they want it to be able to grow on its own. Right. Because if they are competing, mm-hmm. these industries that they're competing with are humongous industries. They yeah. should have a separate yeah. app and allow it to be its own breathing thing, its own entity, and then in the future that would also allow them to actually sell that. Say this would probably never happen, but they could actually sell it as yeah. a separate entity and it's not right. part of BBM. So I have to sell yeah. BBM in order to sell BBM meetings. like. Say yeah, that they want to exactly. sell BBM to consumer and BBM meetings to enter. Like, I think yeah. it's totally fine that they did that. Yeah, and, um, when you look at yeah, it, yeah. BBM meetings, when the idea was first struck, you understand it was totally for enterprise. It, it wasn't for the consumer at all. So when you're looking at the application, not just wanting to update it separately and, you know, ap- actually, you know, possibly implementing more features into uh, BBM meetings, you know, that we you know, don't know about as of right now. But when you look at it as a whole, that's when you see like BBM kind of like being broken down into, you know, uh, what it is right now, it's showing how BBM just is becoming its own entity within BlackBerry. And that's yeah. actually what you kind of want to see because you want them to focus on their, you know, their crown jewel, the pride and joy, which is BBM. And then there's the OS altogether on the other side. So when you have something like BBM meetings that isn't implemented in, in, as we mentioned with channels, like a lot of people would actually like to see channels as a standalone app, as yes. a standalone feature. You don't yeah. want to see it within BBM yeah. because it doesn't get its maximum uh, I think potential that it really does have. How right how cool would it be to have feeds inside of BBM, but channels be standalone? Right, and yeah. I mean, it's like the potential channels is just it's so enormous in terms of if it were just its own standalone app, um, not just having like you know the 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 tile. Uh, view of each of your channels and just clicking in and being able to scroll up and down. Mm-hmm. And I mean, being able to actually really interact and message people within each channel and, you know, being able to do so much more like than just creating the separate posts, it's, it's, it's there. So I think we're Darius, Darius, I think you secretly just touched on why we haven't seen a BBM channels update. Right, right. <laughs> and I think, and, and that's what I was going to say is we're going to see that later, I believe. I, I'm not saying that it's going to yeah. completely tear itself apart from BBM, but you're going to see a huge change in it later on. Well, it's just right now they're trying to they're just trying to put all their ducks in a row. And, and once they are, then they'll start saying, okay, now we can see it like this. Because, I mean, imagine if BBM meetings were inside of BBM. Like Alex had mentioned, like loading would be a lot longer. But it's kind of like you always don't want that feature there when you just want to, you know, individually, you know, video someone, you know, video message someone. Like you, you kind of, it kind of gets in the way a little bit. And and plus, that's what you know, BBM isn't. It's a messaging service, not a video service. You know, so yeah. And I, think, I think you touched on something that's really important to acknowledge is that. All the things that BlackBerry comes out with, they might call it, you know, BlackBerry uh, 
enterprise server and stuff like that. And those are different products. But when we get BBM, we have BBM meetings and BBM channels and then BBM protect and stuff like that. What we're really starting to see is BBM become kind of like a brand for a whole bunch of different communication services. And I think BlackBerry just needs to do a better job at kind of relaying that it's actually more of a brand instead of just one messaging app. And I think that's what they're really trying to do now. And I think if they do start separating more of the stuff, like a separate BBM channels app and a separate meetings app, I think that would make sense. It's yeah. just right now what I was alluding to is that having BBM channels in the BBM app and the BBM meetings separately, it just kind of confuses you. But I think you actually touched on a really good thing. And I think you, you are right. We will start to see all those different BBM services become separated and just BBM be the brand for the communication. Right. Yeah, I mean, so you kind of look at it, and um, it's, it's definitely an interesting point, I think, that kind of came to this conclusion that, you know, right now, BBM channels, let me just do this. I'm doing this for me, but you guys do. So I open up BBM. So one, two, three, four, five, six, and then seven. At about seven seconds is when BBM channels pops up. It's not even in that sidebar view. It's hidden until yeah. it loads. So it's like BBM loads all of your conversations load, and then BBM channels opens the background. So say that mm -hmm. I keep BBM closed all the time because I just use BBM through the hub. So say that I do want to load up channels. I have to wait a solid seven seconds to even get into the channel section of the app. So right now, it's, mm -hmm. it's a smart thing that it's in BBM because there's 80 billion or 90 billion BBM users where whether they know it or not, they're actually a BBM channel user, whether they've used it or not, but it's on their phone. Whereas once you try and have a separate social network, that means they'd have to sep or download BBM channels separately, and less and less people are going to do that. So it's smart in a way where you're going to get more users because the, the app is already on their phone. It's as simple as them to click over the tab and be like, hey, what the heck is channels? And they might use it. Um, it you know, so right now it makes sense, but I definitely agree and think they're going to make a separate app and make BBM channels its own, you know, growing thing, just like BBM meetings. Alex, it's, not to mention, it's not to mention, like, the three seconds that you have to take when you actually click on channels and then... Then load. it loads, yeah. 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 So that's one thing you have to play into it as well. Yeah. Basically, now my usage with channels is if I don't have your channel as a favorite channel yeah. that shows up on my hub, I don't even bother checking my feed anymore because the feed takes, like... 10 seconds to load on its own. Yeah, yeah. And not to mention, the second you, you enter, like, a channel post to see the comments, it takes another 10 seconds to load, and it's like, I don't have time all day to keep doing this for every time I want to check my feed. So I just favorite the channels I really, really want to see the new stuff. Yep. And then if by, by luck I end up on my feed and see other channels, great. But, I mean, you, you touched on something so important is that it does take too long to access the channel's content. And I well, think, I well think let, me, let me speak on that real quick, because if you're on Passport, Darius, you know this. Yeah. On Passport, you launch BBM, and you have everything down there at the bottom. Right. Everything at the bottom. Yeah. So you don't have to slide over. Yeah, the, the convenience is there. Yeah, you're talking about you know an app that is going to be on Android and iOS, and they you can't have all of those links at the bottom. Like Passport mm -hmm. is such a special special case rule you have to think about the, the majority of people, and they're not going to have a wide enough screen. Right. But that's a good point. And, and, uh, I'm um, just trying to rep, rep the passport for being well, a badass. <laughs> no, channels would, like, the uptake for channels on Android would, or, like, iOS would go if it was a separate app, because I think some of the, uh, some of the thought behind having it integrated in the BBM was that they have all these users that downloaded BBM on Android and iOS, and instead of having to try, attract, try to attract them again, 
to get another app, a BBM Channels app. They just wanted to integrate it into the BBM app so that they have more people actually have it on their phones that they can use it. So I'd just be interested what your thoughts are on if they do have a separate app on Android and iOS, what the uptake of that might be. Because on BlackBerry, they can have it built in with every OS update. Yeah. That's you know, like people will see it, right? But on Android and iOS, it's a different ballgame. I honestly, I don't even think they should separate it if it were for those other platforms, to be honest with you. I think because one thing about it is when you look at BBM, it's not most used on those platforms. So why separate your services where they'll become even less used instead of keeping it all in one and having the access immediately there? And I don't have to worry about downloading separate you know, app applications and things of nature to use your features. Just keep it all there in one on those platforms until you start seeing or to data shows that, okay, those features are gaining its traction to a point where we could implement separate applications and we wouldn't have to worry about, you know, it not being downloaded or it not being used. So I would say for iOS and Android to keep it the same, um, or keep it all in one, I should say, within BBM. But I, another thing I just wanted to mention real quick is that when you use channels on blends, the layout, I think that's essentially what we're going to start seeing later if we were to see channels go separate. Because it's all flat, it's open. It, it's <laughs> it honor reminds me of the uh, very flow website when you go, you know, on your laptop or desktop or anything of that nature. Like the layout is 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 that dope, and I think that's what we could essentially start seeing. But as far as for other platforms, I would say keep it all into one application for the time being. Because iOS users and Android users, we I I, I can tell you now, I'm sure we don't have a lot of, you know, those users using channels as much as you have your BlackBerry 10 users, so to speak. I think I think you're right there, and, and we're waiting for you know redesigns of those applications at this point as well to yeah. go go for a more native look and feel. I, it'd be interesting to see what BBM on Lollipop Android Five looks like. I, I think that yeah. might. Be oh, a, they need know. to build it native, dude. And if it, if they do, it'll look great. Right. Um, and and yeah. I just want to say that you know if they do keep channel, they should. I definitely agree with that sentiment. They should keep channels built into BBM for the time being until it gains traction, at least. And I'm kind of thinking where, you know, what is a unique value proposition of BBM? If they can add another thing and kind of say, you know, you get this access to a social network. If they can, if they can show what is special about channels, I don't even think they know what's special about it yet. They need to figure that out and then let us know. And then they can use that as a unique value proposition where say that you want BBM channels, we'll download BBM. And then, boom, they have BBM on the phone. They made a BBM account to use channels, and now they're getting more use. So it's kind of works both ways. It's kind of like a suite of a product, a suite of services, like uh, like uh, for instance, like Microsoft Office, <laughs> like Microsoft Office. Yeah. They have the different products of Microsoft Office. I think eventually we're going to have a whole suite of VM products that you can purchase for one price, and that gives you access to all the different products, especially in the enterprise space. I'm not sure about the consumer space. I would not yeah. be surprised if the the BBM subscription model that we see for you know the general users later who want timed messages and retraction and all that. I would not be surprised if they tie BBM meetings somehow into that. So the price you pay for that may give you access to BBM meetings, maybe in a limited sense. Maybe it'll stay completely standalone. There's at least a potential there that as BBM's shop grows, you're able to add in things like that. Because right now, I mean, they might as well just call it Sticker Haven because it's just all stickers. The Sonic you know, stickers were dope, though. The Sonic stickers <laughs> were dope. I want to I want to bring up one more thing about BBM meetings that is really cool. Is 
you know, BlackBerry has been seen as like this larger larger company that you know doesn't really innovate, but they have been a lot lately, like with the Passport and everything. And on a software side, you know, Chen brought up that what BBM channels or what's special about BB not BBM channels, what's special about BBM meetings is that they focused on a mobile first experience, whereas every other solution out there, it's mobile second and it's a crappy phone experience. So they build it so it's like built for the future where if you're on a tablet or a phone, it's going to work really well. And then if you're on a computer, well, it's going to work great because you know it, there's a computer you know, program for it too. So this is the one benefit where you're only paying twelve fifty a month compared to the thirty and forty dollars a month, and you're getting an amazing total like you know sharing your screen and everything on your phone, whereas you don't really get that with the other platforms. So you're really getting that and more. So I'd be surprised if they didn't in the future raise the price from twelve fifty once they start getting a lot of users a few years down the line. So do you think that this is just this is the price scheme just to get users on board? Or they're going to keep it consistent. Can someone kind of like uh, clarify I'd, this for me? Because I'd say consistent, Alex. Okay. Is is, is twelve fifty per person, or is it for the host? Okay. For the host so some, yeah. Someone asked this <clears throat> in a uh, on our BBM channel as well. I think it was John. He did you know want some clarification there. It <laughs> is for hosts. So to join and, and enjoy a BBM meeting, you don't have to pay. Okay. But those who are hosting them are paying on the back end. It's a very interesting model overall because it allows people to really engage. I could pay for all of us yeah. for twelve fifty. I mean, that's nothing. So yeah. I mean, when it comes to consumer, we're gonna try it out. We may not be able to do it live, and then we'll maybe do the video later and just post it as an episodic mm -hmm. type of thing. But mm -hmm. we'll, we're definitely gonna explore that when it comes at least to consumers. That or we're gonna buy a bez and we're just gonna <laughs> we're gonna run. <laughs> A call so call someone in Canada. Eh, you want to host our biz? Yeah, <laughs> I don't even yeah. think people know like how cheap that really is. Like <laughs> that is super cheap to have you know a service like that. And their next, their top competing competitors in this particular enterprise video space are at thirty and forty dollars. So you're absolutely right, Darius. Is it the same pricing model where it's just for the host, or is it also is that a user per access fee? Some do it a little differently, so some have it as a host model as well, where others are doing it per the user. But most of the enterprise ones seem to be like you get a team manager who's going to be the you know the co-signer on it, and then it goes from there, and he can invite whoever he needs. And really, like really, we're we're looking at Zoom, you know, we're looking at Zoom and BBM adding in their UI and some of their features on top. So as Darius mentioned, like it is pretty stagnant. And and going off of what Alex had asked earlier. I think it's going to be 12.50 outright because the way the pricing model goes is you actually have to spend on a yearly basis. So when you get invoiced for it, it's going to be 150 per year. Yeah. US. So it's like yeah, it's for consumers, but at the same time, not really. You know. Well, it's better to do like the yearly. Well, it benefits BlackBerry to do a yearly fee like that and then break it down into a monthly fee cost, so that it seems. It, like it, it, it really puts cheaper. into perspective. Yeah, it makes it seem cheaper. But at the same time, you get a yearly fee. That means you don't have situations where you have one company sign up for one month because they're going to have a lot of meetings that month, and then they don't use it for another nine months, right? So what, what it does is that having people pay a yearly fee, it means that you're going to have these people likely using it all throughout the year instead of just on one month or, or one-off occasions. Yeah. Like a Barry Flow trying to do like a one-off episode of, <laughs> of uh, 
BBM meetings. <laughs> We're going to do it once, guys, and never again. <laughs> no, I mean, I like the, uh, you know, Google's obviously got it cornered here with Hangouts because they've got the YouTube already. So, you know, you're, it's just so easy to bring it over yeah. there. Let's move on. Let's talk about uh, BlackBerry WorkLife. This is uh, coming off of the Movertu acquisition where they're able to bring a virtual SIM card uh, over to a, a, an actual physical SIM. So you can have two numbers. You can have a work number and a personal number connected under one SIM but build totally separately. This is a model I think that's pretty interesting, and they do seem to be kind of at the forward cusp of a lot of these right now. Enterprises are just starting to make their employees separate their data out, and new new regulations are also coming in on board. We're saying, you know, no, there has to be a separation here between the work and the personal data usage. What do you guys think of the acquisition, and would you like to see something like this for consumer? Yeah, I think it would be pretty dope. I mean, it's as far as for the consumer, um, it, it's really for those who kind of want to, uh, who don't really work in the enterprise, you know, type of ordeal, you know, who your everyday, you know, nine to five type of guy, but they uh, want to keep, you know, two separate entities for themselves, if you will, you know, one for their own personal space, but, you know, the other is for, you know, um, more business related uh, preferences and things of that nature, you know, whether it be handling bills or, you know, taking calls from people that you do work with, you don't want them to interfere with your personal number you have. It's a good, it's a good idea. Um, from that um, perspective, you know, but for those in the enterprise um, realm, um, we spoke beforehand on, and I know in pr uh, prior podcast that it's going to be a huge uh, thing because it kind of cuts down costs. You know, you don't have to have that physical other phone for you. You don't have to, you know, buy lines and things of that nature. Um, it's something that's pretty, you know, easily that can be implemented um, and it can all be just used on one device. That's the best thing about it. Um, but when you're doing it, you know, as I said, it can just be used one specifically for, you know, person use and then one for business. And when you have it, you know, broken down that way, uh, giving out a number is nothing because it also provides security as well. You know, I know myself personally, I hate giving out my number. It's like giving out your social security number, if you will, because that's access, immediate access to you. You don't want people calling you left and right. So if they don't have a, blow up my phone, though. Right. Don't you know, and, and it also helps save, like, when you have your own personal data um, phone plan in terms of minutes and things of that nature, it helps with that, too. So there's so many advantages that, you know, it, it gives uh, for those who, who may use the service. Um, but I think it's going to be one of those things that's going to gain a, a lot of traction within the next year, because what BBM, what BlackBerry is doing, excuse me, is, you know, with meetings, um, with Movertu and everything that they're doing, um, even with SecuSmart and, like, all these features that they're doing, they had these ducks that they're lining up and putting in the row right now, 2015, they're going to just begin launching. And I don't really don't think that a lot of other companies, like, you have Apple and IBM, I think they had a little conference coming up this week, if I'm not mistaken, but... They got a lot of work to do. Like they really have a lot of work to do. It's one thing just to say, "Hey, we're entering the enterprise spectrum," but it's one thing to say we have these services to provide to you as well. We're not just going to be providing, you know, uh, the the basics, so to speak. We're giving you more on top of that, and that's hard to say. Like, but you got to think, like, how long has BlackBerry been in this realm and just began giving these services? Um, this is something they should have been doing. So it takes a lot of time to get there. So with these small acquisitions, they're 
what I like that BlackBerry is doing the most is they're not sitting on their acquisitions. You know, a lot of companies buy these other companies out and they sit on them, and you don't see it implemented for years. But BlackBerry, they they two months take these acquisitions and it's it's out there immediately. Like it's already actually implemented before the beforehand because there was already a partnership prior to the acquisition. Mm-hmm. So the acquisition just takes it to another level, and you just see it implemented from a native experience like that much sooner. So, you know, you have to kind of give BlackBerry a little praise in, in um, you know, from from that part, you know, looking at uh, how they really take care of their business and they really take it personal. And that's why I feel comfortable as a consumer to say I'm a user of this product. Why? Because they really take what they do personal and they want to give it to you on the front hand. So that's something you really got to look at as well. Darius, you hit so many good points there. I mean, all, all across. I think I think you do bring up a good point that the work-life balance that is already there, mm-hmm. being, able to, being able to just split that automatically. Because right. the big thing, like, oh, I've, every month I've got to, you know, separate my usage from my business usage. Mm-hmm. And it just gets... It just gets painstaking. It's it's a waste of time, and a lot of it seems like the solutions that BlackBerry's trying to bring forward, including the you know the uh, the VPN uh, authentication that BlackBerry is doing, is just all about saving time. They want to make you yeah. know they want to imp- they want to really, as you mentioned, not only take care of their family, you know their 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 core constituency with their business users, mm-hmm. but also you know empower them. It's right. not really like I'm giving you a solution. I'm giving you a better solution, and that really right. is where BlackBerry hits the nail on the head. Uh, I want to uh, welcome Chad into the conversation. How you doing this morning, Chad? Good. How are you all doing today? What's up, Chad? What's yeah. going on? <clears throat> Sorry we're doing, for the <laughs> Yeah, we're doing work. No worries. Um, so we, we have as well here after Work Life that BlackBerry <coughs> announced a partnership with Salesforce to help resell BBM to some of their customers and do some sharing on the application side as well. What do you guys think about There was a lot. I think when when we were during the launch event, I think like, 10 or 12 different press releases kind of cross the wire. I was pretty impressed by kind of the big show of force that they had in the enterprise space. Um, what do you guys think, on the scope of this enterprise deal that they've gone on, I mean, there's a lot of different partnerships going on. When do you guys think we're going to start seeing some of the, the repercussions therein? Well, Salesforce is pretty big in like, the public sector um, for um, customer service. Uh, for creating tickets and stuff like that when you get a customer service complaint. So that's really good to have that in those type of, type of you know, in that industry because public service is a very BlackBerry-dominated industry. So it's always good to have that partnership to work well with Salesforce. Um, I'd be interested to hear what some of you guys think. I think it's just a good working with the synergies, working together just to make it easier to work. But... I'm thinking that it's in terms of just churning BlackBerry back around because people had like a negative connotation to them for a while. Um, Salesforce, I've been seeing it show up more and more. For instance, the place I go to get my haircut, they use Salesforce to manage me. Um, it sends me text message reminders, and they're able to see how much money I've spent with them. And essentially, Salesforce, for people who don't know, it's uh, a CRM. I think that's a customer relationship. So whatever, it, it, yeah, it manages your customer relationships, which is actually funny because BlackBerry, that's a really important BlackBerry too. So this partnership could actually help BlackBerry where they might be able to get better access to tools to help them as a company because I think 
I was looking it up before, and Salesforce, they're a $50 billion company. Like, they're, they're very large. So just turning around, the fact that all these big companies want to make a partnership with BlackBerry, they're interested in working with them, it shows, A, BlackBerry's not dead, B, these large companies see how they could benefit from BlackBerry. That's a huge thing for BlackBerry, and just the general perception for them, I think this is just great, you know, whatever ends up coming out of it. No, I, I absolutely agree, and especially like the names that they're bringing on board. You know, they they all seem to have a lot of impact in the industry, and especially the sectors that BlackBerry has that value add and the competitive advantage. It, it kind of ties back. I want to bring it over to the Samsung, and I want to talk about that a little bit because, you know, of all the partners that they could have chosen in the enterprise realm, they chose as one of their helping resellers one of the biggest names in the mobile industry on the phone side. I mean, they didn't. Go, they didn't go to HTC. They didn't go to LG. They went, They didn't go to Microsoft. They went to Samsung, and and I find it interesting because there was some fallout from some of the the job cuts on BlackBerry side, and in enterprise, uh, you know, executives were actually jumping ship and going over to Samsung. So I wonder if some of that that fall away actually helped create conversations. Oh, oh that's interesting. Right. You know, I, we've got contacts over at Samsung now. We've got contacts over here now. Maybe we can start up a dialogue. I know Robin uh, Bonefine, I, I totally probably killed her name, but she was one of the main enterprise executives. She was right on the front list, and she actually went over to Samsung. So I wonder if, you know, from her perspective, she's like, BlackBerry's got the best MDM solution, but we've got great devices. Maybe we can make them play nice together. You, know? you, you wonder really what the implications were underneath a deal like that. Especially when we, we hear Chen's in China, not in Korea. Does anyone else hear the point? Yeah. <laughs> you know, but isn't it also Samsung Knox? Isn't that mainly what, like, it's a partnership with Samsung Knox as well? Which I'm also confused because, like... Not, did, not really. No? Because okay. Knox was divested off to Google. That was a lot of the conversation. It's like, well... Was it Knox kind of divested off so Google would handle the development yeah. therein? So really, it's an enterprise reselling program. Okay. So when Samsung is trying to sell their devices into enterprise, there is a deal that they can also sell you Bez 12 Gold Edition and through their Knox system be able to manage it under Bez 12. But so isn't that kicking Google in the nuts then? Because they can't take Knox anymore? It's almost using it as an enabler. So as Knox continues to grow, there's already still a connection through Samsung-only devices over into Android's ecosystem for management. So it gives Samsung a leg up on any other enterprise uh, competitor that they're able to do that for them directly as part of their packaging. And again, it's a reseller program. I'm trying to convince you to buy my devices for your enterprise. Okay. You know, Instead of you just going willy-nilly with any other enterprise solution, you've also got the best one in the industry. So it's 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 very much like the Apple IBM deal, very much so. And it's just interesting, as I mentioned, that BlackBerry didn't go to an enterprise company; they went to Samsung for this. Mm -hmm. they went, we are the enterprise company. So just just interesting to see kind of how they're they're parlaying against one another there. What do you guys think? Toward the end of that event, we got classic <laughs> launch details. We got the classic launch for December the seventeenth over in New York. Frankfurt, and I know there's there's one other locale as well. So three different regions where they're going to be launching the device out. What do you guys think about the classic at this point? I mean, a lot of us have our passports. A lot of us are real happy with it. It is for that legacy BlackBerry user. Do you think that user is long dead and gone, or do you think that there's there's still those users out there? I don't there's think so. I think the legacy 
users are still out there. Um, if I were to use my Bolt, I would still use it, but I kind of upgraded, and I prefer the legacy devices, honestly, just the way they feel. But now on the Passport, it's a different realm, it's a different world, and hopefully it will help bring those who were on legacy devices or left legacy devices to other platforms, and now it will help bring in that break between that classic and that's my opinion. Yeah, I mean, there's the, the the classic itself. I mean, we already know there's there's room for it um, because within BlackBerry, there's room for improvement. So when you look at the device itself, it's 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 a it's a beautiful device. I I, I love the look of it. Um, a lot of people are you know fans of the back of it. I'm not the biggest fan of the back, but I do like where they're going with it. I do like how it. When you take the word classic and that's what you title the device and you label it as classic, you're looking at it because the Bolt was a classic device for BlackBerry users. And that they've, the the look and the, the entire just tool belt and everything in terms of the classic itself is so influenced by the Bolt is everything you would really want if you're that true core BlackBerry user. And I don't say BlackBerry 10 user, I just say BlackBerry user because that's truly what it is. So to help transition you over, you have a familiar feel, you have a familiar look, but you have a new experience. And I think that's what it's all about is having a familiar feel with the new experience. And I think that's what people enjoy the most when they have it. You know, for people like us that use a passport, you know, that's because you're kind of like a expert BlackBerry 10 user, <laughs> if you will. Um, so, yeah, you're, it, it feels like a downgrade, I think, but at the same time, it's just a different experience, but it's a refreshing experience, so it's something that you really want. Um, being that it will be in Singapore, New York, uh, Frankfurt, uh, it, it's hit, you know, the markets that BlackBerry are definitely still, you know, relevant in. And I think New York is such a pinnacle place because it's, you know, such a busy hub here stateside, you know, for business users and things of that nature where you're going to catch a lot of, and especially, you know, of course in Toronto, I mean, in, in Canada, anywhere, period, you know, BlackBerry is just a staple there, but um, I think BlackBerry has cho chosen, like, the right places in terms of launching devices. They, they're they they're doing it right. They're, they're getting there. Um, you know, of course, you want to see, you know, these simultaneous events, you know, all over the place. You want to see more of it here stateside. I mean, we hope that the Passport, I mean, not the Passport, well, yeah, the Passport and the Classic would be available on all uh, carriers, but I think we're hearing that the you know, the, the, the Classic's only going to be for GSM users. Um, kind of sucks, but... it's it's No, that's just, it's just how they've always had it. The, yeah. the phones that you buy from Black, or shop BlackBerry, they're always yeah. GSM, because it really doesn't make sense for them to sell CDMA. That's just extra stock that they have to deal with. Um, and, you know, there's really not that many more CDMA, like, left out yeah, there. And we heard the Classic may be a Verizon exclusive yeah. side. And, and that makes, that makes sense. It'll definitely be on a CDMA here. And so that makes, it makes sense because then you can go and buy the unlocked device outright for GSM. Right. So you still right. got the alternative to have it on whatever carrier right. you know, you're interested in. Chris, what are your thoughts on Classic? Well, I've mentioned quite a few times that that was going to be my next BlackBerry 10 device, and uh, I have to say the the price point was a little higher than what I was expected. I was hoping it was going to come right around that $400 mark, but to be honest, it's not that far off that would deter me from getting it, though $150 more of the specs on the Passport just makes me kind of 
wonder if I should just you know go for the upgrades there. But uh, the Classic is just. Uh, I mean, it, it's a beautiful device. I was actually, uh, last night I was looking through YouTube, and uh, I won't even try to announce his last name, but Ruslan, he was, uh, I guess he's a writer for smartmania.cz, did, got a hands-on probably about, I think it was like three or four weeks ago with the device, and did a full-on kind of demo of the unit. I mean, just looking at that hardware, it just, it harkens back to like what Chad said, to the 9900. It was such a great device then. I think this is just going to be such an awesome device. And yeah, it's not targeted to consumers, but for me, that's, I mean, I like that keyboard. Passport, I just, that keyboard just doesn't look it for me. Um, but I can't wait till it I have to say, though, one thing, I'm a little puzzled by the fact that the specs aren't listed on Shop Blackberry, and wondering if maybe there might be more to what everyone's been saying about it just being a Q10 specs, but... Uh... Uh, that's the thing, like, we've we've seen speculated spec sheets on it for a while, so... From it's either, to Q10, yeah. Right, it's either, it's either they're going to do some kind of revision on the internals, and again, they're working with Foxconn, so it's not... We know they're working with Foxconn mainly on their mid to low range devices. This will be the second one coming out of Foxconn with Z3 now classic. It'll be interesting to see Foxconn's take on a keyboard because we've never really seen them build a keyboard device, I think, ever. So it's definitely a kind of a new terrain for them, kind of ex stretching out their experience, so to speak. I, I think uh, you, you will definitely have to post up that video that you were, you were speaking on, maybe share a link and we'll, we'll build up a post on it. But... Um, for me, the classic, and then Alex and, and Darius on your passports, you guys may agree, the screen is so big that it's not cumbersome to have to use it, you know? It's so big, it's so massive, it's, it's all touch screen, so why not use it, you know? So navigating the OS with it, like, I don't really care because it's a huge target area. I feel like I got a 4.5-inch trackpad right here, you know? Yeah. Yet, at, yet at the same time, like... Those, those moments when I'm in a message and I'm solely using the keyboard, maybe to compose a tweet or, or scroll through black or something like that, it is a phenomenal experience to have that 4.5-inch screen purely for viewing, no interactions whatsoever. Being able to use the keyboard or you know a tool belt solely and have the screen real estate left totally untouched would be awesome. And I really think that's where the Classic is going to excel. And really what I think made the 9900 a Classic, it was that... Yes, it's a touchscreen, but you're barely going to use it because the the other input experiences are so robust and so well built. Yeah. I think I just hope to see you know the, the device, you know, amongst all carriers, um, for the exception of T-Mobile, of course. But you know, I really want to see it there at Sprint because it is a transition device. So if you really want to get those users, you know, if you want to really kind of you know begin getting a bit of market share, it, not just terms of consumers, but you know, just getting the devices out there. Period. You really want to make sure that its availability is there and not limited. You know, um, you don't want any exclusives. That I kind of hate. That is the case with Passport and with AT and T here stateside. Um, you know, but I mean, of course, it, it's it's things is out of BlackBerry's hands. You really want to see them, you know, kind of take more control in terms of everything. You know, sell the devices in terms of updates and things of that nature. You want to see them take control of a lot of things, but. You want to see it, you know, be available everywhere. It, it, it really, I know a lot of my friends that are Sprint users, unfortunately can't, they can't upgrade from the, from the Q10. And then they're like, man, I want to, I want to, I want a wider screen. You know, I, I want, you know, they, they wanted to experience the full touch, um, 
you know, BlackBerry 10 experience. They wanted that, but their experience is very limited because of who they choose to have their, you know, mobile services provided by. And I mean, I don't think it should be the case because I choose to use Sprint that I can't do this, you know, and I'm a BlackBerry user. And they're long-time BlackBerry users. They're actually users who put me onto BlackBerry years ago. So it kind of sucks for them. But, you know, I mean, honestly, there's so many different options out there. But I really hope to see the classic, you know, just kind of, you know, transpire across the board later in the future. Needs to level the playing field, you know. Yeah. I, I absolutely agree, Darius. I absolutely agree. So Brandon's actually going to dip out here. He doesn't want. He doesn't want to talk anymore. But have a good rest of your day, Brandon. We appreciate having you as always. Take it easy, guys. Bye. See you, Brandon. Later. All right. Now that we got rid of that dead weight, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, we only have a couple more topics here. We're talking classic already. Um, let's talk. We'll, we'll transition here because you know. That device is coming. We'll talk about that more on, obviously, uh, forthcoming upstreams. Let's talk about the WorkWide app uh, developed by Brian. And Is Olaf his first name? Is that his, his actual name? That's what he that's, goes that's by, very, I think. That's very interesting. It's a very interesting name. Does he like uh, <laughs> Right. Is he is from the Frozen movie? Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, a very interesting application they've colluded on together. Olaf working on the back end, Brian really working on the front end of it. But work-wide application, uh, any Passport users who are using it, let's let's pull it up on our phones. Essentially, it gives you a split-screen type of usability on BlackBerry 10. So you'll see you've got two different sections there, and you're able to designate which inbuilt applications show up on either side. It's actually pretty interesting, um, especially if you're someone who's uh, avid on BBM channels or sharing to social media. You can have the web browser open and then a composer for which you can shoot off emails and invoke the share framework as well. I found that you can actually use it, so you're using the composer side of the WorkWide app. Share it to the application QuickPost, and then QuickPost allows you to share to all your social networks at once. So because you can directly invoke QuickPost, uh, WorkWide has a, you know, an even added layer of utility. It's pretty cool. I mean, to me, split screen, at least down the middle, is not the ideal paradigm for something like the Passport or even something like any of the BlackBerry 10 devices so far. But it is interesting to see. Uh, what do you guys think so far in your use cases of it? I've used WorkWide, um, work and it, like I said, it's a, it's, a, it's a dope app nonetheless. But, you know, it has its... Uh, it has its audience, you know. It's because, you know, um, as I mentioned earlier, just examples, you know, if you're editing web pages, you know, and doing things of that nature, it's perfect for that. Um, you know, college students, they may use, you know, um, apps like Blackboard and things of that nature. You want to you know, do a paper or something of that nature. It's great for that. It has its use. It's not, you know, a general app that's uh, can be used across the board for all black, you know, passport users. Um, but that's the main thing. It's for Passport users. It's not for a Z30 user. It's not for a Z10 or Q10 user, Q5. It's not for any really other type of device. Not to say that it can't be used. It just wasn't, it won't be as well implemented on those devices as it will for the Passport. So it's great. has huge potential. Um, you know, hopefully down the road you can see, you know, more uh, you know, uh, implemented features. Um, I think Chris had mentioned earlier, like seeing kind of uh, core experience with it, you know, um, you know, doing a BBM video on one side and being able to, uh, you know, browse the web on the other or, you know, using Twitter on one side and, you know, viewing a game, you know, a live stream or something on the other side, like that would be dope. And then I think that's when you can start seeing a use for it on other devices. But for the most part right now, you, 
it's just it's something that has a lot of potential. It's something that is it's a great idea. It's a you know a huge productivity app, but you know it, a good app nonetheless. I would say that. Right, and, and I think there's there's an opportunity for them to build in more to really kind of unlock some of the the potential value. It's it's pretty bare bones right now, but there is obviously an opportunity to to add a lot of utility to it. I just wonder, as you, you kind of touched on it, Darius, being able to have that built in at the OS level. Samsung has multi-view on Android already, where you're able to pretty much cut the screen in half, vertically, you know, horizontally. You've right. got your your two squares, right? So I, I wonder if, you know, th we talked about BBM meetings, right, and it being a standalone application. Imagine in a future world where BB10 has something like multi-view, a split-screen experience, where you have BBM meetings on one pane. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And something else on the other. So we had talked about that beforehand, like you know that we hope that would be a native experience that BlackBerry would implement into the OS itself. And even if it was just a feature that could only be used on a passport, would be like good enough. And I don't even think people would be upset about it. You know, what I mean, if it if it were if it weren't implemented on a Z10, and I would you know only had a Z10 device. You know, would I be a little salty? Like, eh, you know, yeah, I love to use it, but at the same time, you can just see, okay, that is something that's built for that device. But uh, yeah, you would love to see a, a, a native, you know, feel from BlackBerry. Like, I, I, God, I'd die for that. That'd be awesome. I'd love to see BlackBerry kind of. You know, I hate to say it because people are. I'm gonna get so much pushback on it, but I'd honestly love to see them like address the consumer on one update. You know, maybe not cohesively throughout the year, but it's like every you know year we're like, yo, consumers, we're still, we still understand you're using our devices. Cause but isn't Canada 3 a consumer update? They're key, like the UI looks more modern in a consumer sense. Mm -hmm. I, I guess, but still, thing, it's the whole paradigm of the OS to me is not consumer-based. Gestural-based, hub-integrated, it's not something you pick up and you're like, oh, this is great. It's something you got to use, you know? And right. I feel like that makes it – it decreases the consumerization of it because right. you really got to have someone tell you why it's good or show someone why it's good before they're even going to pick up and spend the time. A lot of what we saw with the Z10 and Q10 was returns, so people from 9900s picking up the Q10, and it's like this is not the kind of experience I was expecting in my mind. And, and yes, it's good at aspects. It's still not the, the BlackBerry experience I'm used to. So right. obviously we have, we have devices like Classic coming in to try to fill that gap. With Passport, I just feel like it's so beyond itself. Like the hardware is beyond even the software at this point. Yeah. Like it, I would I would love that track that giant keyboard to be able to do trackpad type things. Right. And I, another thing is like you know a lot of people and and you'll see it in reviews from other sites that you know aren't the you know BlackBerry fanboy sites, but they they also say that you know yes you know Black uh, ten 10.3 is a huge uh, step from 10.1 or just, you know, 10.0, but it still needs a lot of refinements, you know what I mean? Like, you, you look at, like, you look like, um, excuse me, at uh, material design that, you know, Google has done, and you look at, like, iOS 8. I mean, like, that UI, not, not terms of gestures and, you know, the movement of the UI, the layout itself, but there's still a lot of refinements that BlackBerry can still do. You know, I always say I would love to see that transparency that uh, BBOS had, you know, you know, pulling up the uh, tab and being able to see your apps, the transparency that it had. I would love to see that from the, you know, quick settings menu, if you could still see, you know, a transparency of your wallpaper with the quick settings. Like, things of that nature is really what will mature the UI itself. 
just the look of it. I, I still feel like it, it needs a lot of work. Um, even with you know the overhaul ha that it has had in 10.3, it's still a ways to go. You can still see the room for improvement. So, um, I think BlackBerry will begin to focus on that. You know, later in the future. Right now, they just want to really tweak and refine all the productivity they um, have in mind and they have had in mind. And not only that, also all these features that they are you know newly acquired, be able to implement them. And, and make sure that that uh, that experience is top notch and, and, and flawed, on, or I should say unflawed. But I think at the end of the day, we'll see something possibly in like 10.4. But I don't really want to see any more like iterations until like 10.3 is really refined because I still feel like 10.3.1 uh, is is where we're really starting to where we've wanted it all along, you know, like with the right. LED customizations and things of that nature. It's finally getting where we wanted it at. Okay, so now once you get where you want it at, then that's when you need to start saying, okay, it's it's pretty much, it's settled now. Now we have everything we've needed since the beginning of, you know, BB10 launch. Right, now we can look to the the opportunities yeah, for growth. Exactly, and you know, advancement. giving what the consumers really want, you know what I'm saying? Kind of doing what, you know, we want to do instead of what we need to do. Because right now it's all about what they've been needing to do and what they still need to do. So I think 10. Dot, well, I, I would say like a 3.2 would be more of like a maintenance, you know, just tightening up everything on on, on that OS specifically. But I think 10.4 is going to be like that step where BlackBerry will be like, okay, let's start giving the people what they want now. Finally, no, finally, <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's been two years, and you know what? I've been. Every OS update for BlackBerry has been a must download, at least for me. It's like yeah. every time it's been it's been maintenance. It's you know, ten dot one felt like a maintenance release to me. It's like, yo, we need to get off that original stuff, you know? Right. And then right. 10.2 was even substantial. And ten dot two dot one was very substantial as well. And I think we're finally kind of getting into a groove with this thing where every year we're gonna have a lot of substance coming to the table. And yeah. and, and for me with the the latest ten dot three dot one leak, I haven't loaded it. But that's because my, my passport came with 10.3 on it, you know? So right. For, for me, 10.3 right now is good enough, and I want to see, as Darius has mentioned, what that official 10.3 in market actually looks like and what it has to offer. For, from a consumer side, like, we look at BlackBerry, and we're, we're, we're disappointed at a lot of things. But really, from an enterprise side, we should be thoroughly impressed because to the actual customer that this OS is built and tailored, it's a, it's a fantastic experience. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people take it for granted, you know, as well, because, you know, they say that, you know, BlackBerry is kind of, you know, shunned the consumer so much. But, I mean, how many leaks have we really gotten in, like, the last, you know, almost two years now? Like, 15 to 20. How many updates has Android put out? How many updates has iOS put out? Like, five tops. And that's including, like, you know, just updates to the current OSs out there. I mean, we went all the way from... <laughs> 10 to 10 like 3.1 and so many in between so like you you really can't say that you haven't been spoiled if you're a BlackBerry 10 user like this you really have in the last two years like extremely spoiled and not only that I mean to go from yeah BlackBerry's dead to holy shit they're gonna be like they're the hottest stock you know right now you really gotta, you know, just be like, you know what? Hey, I'm pretty thankful for what I'm using right now because it gives me so much more. And it's so future proof. It's like, ooh, yeah. 
Android Lollipop material design. It's like a lot of the UI paradigm that they're bringing to the table, BlackBerry had two months yeah. ago. And it know? matches. So what it complement like material yeah. design complements, you know, three dot um three dot one or ten dot three, I should say. And, and and even like you take it across the board. You look at blend. You look at continuity. You look at Samsung Flow. You look at Samsung Side Sync. You look at all those things, and it's like BlackBerry was right there. They were on time, you know, if not ahead of the rest of the market. And really, like there's a there's a leading edge, and then there's a cutting edge. And I think BlackBerry is the cutting edge. I think they're really driving the market. They were cutting mobile payments before the rest of the market was even leading in it. You know what I'm saying? And it's like really. West came out with that. <laughs> yeah, two, two years later. I mean, we had mobile payments on our 9900s in 2011. Like, come on, come on. Right. And it's like even with Apple, you know, you see like the the parallax effect, and people. I remember when like iOS 7 first came out and it was implemented. People were like, oh my god, look at my my phone can fucking do. We seen that shit with tap like two years prior to that OS, and BlackBerry acquired them. They just looked at it like, to me, that shit is childish any fucking way. So why would he even want it? It doesn't really do anything for you. It's just a cool effect on your phone. So, you know, it drains your, drains your battery faster. Right, exactly. Like you're just draining your battery like that much faster. Now you're a wall hugger, and you wonder why my battery life sucks because you're so in ooh and awe and Google eyed about this parallax effect, but it, it does nothing for you. So you look at a lot of o other OSs, and you say, you know, how how do they help you in, in your everyday productivity? And they don't. Um, I think Google is finally starting to take the steps necessary, and I think Apple has just implemented those steps um, to begin being productive. But at the end of the day, it's like you have to look at you know BlackBerry and the ba BlackBerry 10 and the baby OS that it is. The maturity that it has you know just garnered over this last two years is amazing. Like there's no other OS that has matured as fast as this one. Now, granted, yes, it has had. Uh, you know, blueprints, or it has had, you know, uh, it's had the steps, you know, its foundation planted beforehand with BlackBerry, but also watching how Google went from, you know, its first uh, OS and then with the huge OS update with Gingerbread and how they know they needed that and then moving forward and the same with Apple. They had a blueprint on how to make sure that this OS could mature fast, you know, faster over this last two years, but... Um, you know, granted, they just have done it, and they they took those steps, and not only done it, but they did it better than what they did. And they're at a point now where it's like they're really playing catch up, even though people would just look at the larger picture in terms of market share and so on and so forth. But it really isn't about that. It's really about what this is going to do. You know, kind of how people shunned uh, WebOS and the potential it had. You know, it just they got so caught up in market share that they really couldn't. You know. They couldn't deliver. You're right. Right. They, yeah, they, they couldn't do that. But, you know, thank God Chen came in. <laughs> he didn't get caught up with Marcus Sherry. He got back to his roots. And he, he did he did what he needed to do for BlackBerry, and that's why BlackBerry is in the shape that it's in now. And, and I love the BlackBerry of today because they're like, yo, this is a cash money business. We need money. Like, you know, yeah. end all, be all. It's like, yeah, we've got great services, great devices, yada, yada, but we need to make money, period, mm -hmm. you know? And that comes down to not only having the product but being able to sell it. And right now, what BlackBerry is able to sell is enterprise services, you know? Yeah. And then when you look at it, like, with HP, like, at that time when HP had, you know, WebOS, it had a lot of potential. They had money to pour into it and, and try to gain that market share. But it's – what they did was is, one, at that time when they had the money, now that they don't <laughs> because they clearly are, like, in dire straits. But 
with Windows. Like, look what they've done. They they have all the money in the world to pour into this, you know, into their phones, but they haven't done anything for the OS. All they've done was just make cheap devices that help them gain market share. They've went into, you know, those uh, markets that are not necessarily the best in terms of revenue, <laughs> and they dominated in, in to help gain market share. But the point of the fact is, is just that they didn't do it with their OS. They did it with cheap devices. So at the end of the day, that's what BlackBerry's trying to do. They, they don't really care because, truth be told, they haven't tried to sell themselves out. You know, and that was one thing I wanted to mention earlier. When we talk about price point with the classic, Chris had mentioned. I see what BlackBerry's doing a lot nowadays is that they're not pricing. They're not making price points for a full buyout. They're not making it for a one to two year contract. They're making their price points now. Because a lot of the plans that are being uh, used by consumers are those month-to-month plans, like the AT&T Next and Verizon Edge plans. They're basing their price points off of those. So they're looking at how much extra you're going to pay a month for the device, not necessarily what you're paying all in total. So when you look at the Passport compared to a lot of these other ones, you might be paying like 10 bucks for a Passport opposed to like 12 or 13 before iPhone 6 or 6 Plus. So that's one thing. you also have to pay attention to, and you have to tip your hat to BlackBerry as well, because a lot of people don't pay attention to that. They're pricing their their plan, um, their devices according to those new plans now. They're definitely coming competitive, especially for the U.S. market. I mean, I mean, you can get a Passport for five hundred, right? Right, four ninety nine, mm-hmm. and then a Classic for four fifty. It's like, yeah, you've got pretty comparable options. What's the experience you want? Right. I do want to. You, you mentioned Shen. It, it really does go back to Chen. It goes to the new management he's laid in, the groundwork and the foundation of work that, yes, he took from Torsten Hines, but then refocused back at the, the proper customer. So I, I want to talk about Chen and his stage presence a little bit because even at this previous event, he makes a lot of uh, notions to, to, the comp- to the competition, good and mobile iron. He's like, I'm not going to name our competitors because that's bad marketing. You know, that's, that's marketing one-on-one. But he also said, you know, a lot of these companies, and, and really he's, he's taking a jab at good technology. He's like, their business model was marketing a migration away from BlackBerry. And he's like, that is over today. It's done. Now my competitors are going to have to work for a living, and and it's it's yeah. a powerful statement coming from him because like I fear it, you know. Yeah. When Chet <laughs> when Chet speaks, it's like okay, he means exactly what he's saying. You know, same thing with the service revenue, where it's like yes, we're going to double this, if not if not more, and that, that's our <laughs> projection. So, you know, when when he says that, his stage presence is very powerful. What have you guys noticed across the events that are some things you want to tack on? Yeah, I mean, just just watching him at any event. Um, especially seeing him live at the Passport event, it's just when he's on stage for more of a consumer um, kind of thing, well, even Enterprise, he you know, he cracks jokes, and he's interesting to listen to. You actually, the cool thing about the way that he, he tells jokes or whatever little things he does, you have to pay close attention to catch these little jabs that he does, so it forces people to pay attention and they enjoy it. Rather than listening to someone else talk and it just gets boring and you start zoning them out, Chen, whenever he talks, like I think people pay attention to him, and you know it's it's very nice, you know, just to listen to him explain things. And then I also noticed during the investor event, um, normally I'm used to him being more, you know, goofy and kind of get the point across in a goofy way. But the investor event, he was like very serious, and it, it was new for me to kind of see. Maybe it was the first. Um, I feel like it was the first time I've actually seen him that kind of serious. He said. All right, you know we're going to be losing money because people are switching over from Legacy to BlackBerry 10, and he—it seemed like they were being very open. Like he's not trying to hide anything. He's like, it's still going to be tough, you know. Like the situation we're in, but we're building it. 
so we have so much more room to grow. But he was very like serious about the way he presented everything, and it I kind of saw both sides of Chen, and I it just made me feel even better about him just in general. Yeah, I think you have to be when you're talking about because you're talking about their money. Like this is money that they've yeah. invested in your company. So I don't want you to joke. I don't want you to play like you know, cut it straight with yeah. me. Be blunt and you know, let me know what the future is going to be looking like, whether it's a loss or a gain. Because I think they already like as you mentioned, Alex. He's showing both sides, so they see the potential. They see the you know charismatic you know personality that he has, and they know the future and you know where he's going to take them. But as you mentioned, like when it comes to this investors event. The people that have, you know, put faith in this, put their dollars in, I have to be serious and I have to be, you know, you know, pretty much straight to the point with you and let you know, like, this is what we're going to be looking at, you know, on the back end. But, you know, essentially, yeah, we're you're we're going to, you know, be in good shape for the long haul. So, yeah, I, I, I agree, Alex. I definitely, you know, have seen that. And I, I really like, you know, how Chen just has, in terms of being in his position, he, he doesn't – he, he like he's like cut the bullshit, you know. Yeah. Like I can really, <laughs> I can try to sell you a dream, but at the same time, that's not my mo, you know. Like because for the last couple of years, that's what BlackBerry was trying to do, sell dreams, and it didn't come true clearly. So now that the nightmare's over with, let's face reality and understand yeah. that we can go in this perspective and you know make shit happen essentially. What pros? What pros? Yeah, I love that every time he brings something up, he's like, you know. He's like, and if this goes wrong, don't blame it on me. Uh, and he gives someone's name at BlackBerry. He said, they're the ones that told me to say this, or they're the ones that guaranteed me this is going to happen. He's like, don't get mad at me if something bad happens. And it's so funny. He kept doing that, like, a lot. He's an asshole, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, yeah he under the bus. <laughs> nah, Chen's good people. I mean, if we, if we needed someone to write the ship that is BlackBerry... I can think of no one better. <laughs> he has just such a great confidence. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. the, the fact that also when he's on stage, it doesn't sound like he's... Uh, sorry for the dog barking. Um, <laughs> um, when... <laughs> Chad's like, gotta go. <laughs> oh. Now everyone's like muted. The dog's going ham right now. Uh oh. I think it's because of the dogs. <laughs> yeah, Ch- Chad, Chad had to dip though, so hopefully he, everything's going all right with him. Yeah. But no, um, you know, going off of Chen, really the impact that he's had on BlackBerry has been substantial, and he's only been there one year. I think he signed on for at least five, where he's going to be. And, and really, when Ch- Chen was hired, he was hired as this executive director of BlackBerry, not the CEO. He was supposed right. to be. The, the layer above the CEO. So really that he stepped in in such a way and said, you know what, no, we're in this for the long haul. We're going to get it done. Who do you guys think is going to get pulled up to CEO when Chen moves out? I personally am thinking Marty Gadway. Beard. Marty uh, Beard. Yeah. No, Gadway's great. Like, don't get me wrong. He's like a Vivek, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's our Vivek. He's our man, in the, he's a man on the streets. He's the man with the device in the hand. Yeah. But I'm thinking Marty Beard. Marty did a good job. Marty and, and Sims obviously is a very eloquent speaker. He clearly understands what he's doing, but I see him more of like do, getting the job done type of guy, you know. Yeah. Whereas I see Marty being he able to not only the business, him. yeah, right, right. He, he really does. And and, Mar- and you know Marty obviously is he's operating COO right now, so I feel like he'd be in a good position to move up forward. He left his own startup to come do this. I mean, they're all. All in on this, and it's really great, to, really great to see that they 
Chen has been able to show them the quantifiable data as to why this is going to be worthwhile for them. And, and it's great to see that there's still confidence in BlackBerry, especially after Torsten Hines and the sellout and, and all that nonsense. Yeah, that's like one thing about the every single person that's in position, you know, in, in terms of running BlackBerry, they're all very passionate about it. And, and like, and, and as you mentioned, James, like, you know, Chen could have accepted the position above, you know, the CEO, but I think he really, really wanted to see this company come back. And I mean, not that he, he has a resume of doing that, of course, but I think he was really passionate about the company and, and its turnout yeah. and, and what you know BlackBerry has meant to the mobile industry. So you have to really appreciate when you when you are you know a consumer of a company of such and you have people that are really passionate about it. Like that's one thing that I've always gave kudos to the people over at Apple. Like they're all passionate about Apple's products. Like they really are. Like John Ivey in terms of the designs and things he does, he's very passionate about. It. He's been there for. 20 some odd years so he's very passionate about what he does so you know you're going to get that's why they have great to build with their devices and everything that they develop because he's passionate about it they don't like eh, let's put something out there it's kind of like what Google has I don't want to say that they aren't passionate but when you have so many hands in the pot the passion is kind of eh, it's kind of iffy because there's so many different ideas of what this product or this brand should be and so now you're starting to see Google in the last year really come hands on and yeah coming with the Nexus devices because they want to have their hands in. We might go to you, but we're going to tell you what you want, what we want you to do for us. So with BlackBerry, they've always been very passionate. They've had passionate individuals there, and I think John Chen, when he came in, he had to kind of clean a little bit of that up as well because people were there just because that was their job. And when it became your job, that's when the company started going downhill. Um, I, I, I would really – I think Marty Beer is a great person that would be um, you know, next in line. I would hate for Chen to go. I wish Chen would just stay forever. We've got time. He's going to stay for a while. Yeah, but I, that's the thing. If Chen could go to that executive level and focus strictly on like the, the higher-level picture, like, yes, you need mm -hmm. you need good structures throughout your pyramid. But if like he can get on top of the pyramid and like look at all of it, talk to the bigger partners and get that stuff done, Right. I think I think as an operational CEO who can make those you know those decisions on the on the week to week, mm -hmm. that Marty would be a good good candidate for well, that. I, I would, and maybe that's something we see you know five years out. But I would like for them to bring Mike and Jim back too. Not necessarily put them in a position to you know run things, but you got to think they're the grandfathers of BlackBerry, and to see them still like because. To see them still be able to implement and have an input in terms of where the new BlackBerry should go, in terms of where they could possibly implement services, how they could, you know, move in, in terms of, you know, the market and gaining that market share back, I think they will really still have great ideas. I know they're off on their own adventures, and um, Mike, I don't want to push his last name. I never could say it. It's like Lazardus. Lazarus, whatever. <laughs> you know, he he's like he's still very passionate about BlackBerry, but he does so many things in the Waterloo community and just in Canada itself. Like you can see that his passion is there, and so when you have individuals there like that, it's nothing but positive and good outcome for the company as a whole. So I, I would like to see them, you know step foot back in there and just have a little say or something. And, and that's the thing. At the Passport event, Alex can attest to this before we close. You know, Alex can attest to the fact that John Chen was like, we need to own Canada. We, know, we need it back. Yeah. We need your support. And, mm -hmm. and those are veins. You know what I'm talking about? We have, we have Waterloo. We've got Ottawa. And, and those are veins for BlackBerry where a lot of the innovation and the passion comes from. And with, you know, Lazardus, Lazarus, <laughs> with Mike, 
with Mike, you know, he was <laughs> yeah. a he was a strong, strong vein, and and not only the community but the entire region, you know. So to have some of those veins maybe cross again in the future, I know he's working on you know quantum computing. I, I could see a synergy there in the future for them. So oh, yeah. so maybe, maybe not come back to BlackBerry, but come back in a partnership capacity, leveraging some of the assets that Lazaridis put in place. I mean. I could definitely see something like that. Jim, I don't know what Jim's been up to. Someone fill me in. Yeah, I think he's really kind of, he's away from BlackBerry. He doesn't really want much to do with it. I think it's still like, Lazaridis is kind of baby to an extent and wants to see it do well. I, I have the feeling that Jim just kind of really doesn't give a shit anymore. Like, they brought up even, I think even Kevin brought up that some of the older events, he's only ever seen um, Mike. He said, I don't think he's ever seen Jim because he just he just wasn't around it, it kind of seemed but you know um but you brought up the the Canadian carriers and yeah definitely at the passport event like he so much wanted to get Canada back and the carriers on board and you're seeing this even with the classic I I don't remember where I saw it but I think pre-orders just started up for the classic in one of the Canadian carriers and like they're mm -hmm. I think they're yeah they're starting to win over the Canadian carriers again and at least get them back on their side so it it brings me hope that they'll be able to do the same thing for the U.S. but Right now they're focusing on Canada, so once they start focusing on the U.S., whenever that may be, because business is a big thing in the U.S., you know, maybe we can eventually get Apple to start using Blackberries. You know? No. They probably do. I mean, they yeah. just took they just took Sebastian. He was from our QNX division. Yeah. So, I mean, they now know they now have a great architect who you know understands the real time operating systems, the values therein, how to implement. I mean, he the guy's amazing. So when we look at it. It's like it's going to be we're, – we're headed toward a market convergence across mobile, across even desktop very likely. It's all just going to get to a point where it has an intrinsic amount of uh, mobility involved therein. And I think as Chen looks at that, he's like we need to get behind it and not necessarily be the device in hand but be the platform behind yeah. the actual transaction. And that's that's, that's yeah. what I'm looking forward to. With Bez yeah, 12, it, it's under, the Bez 12 just underpins it all, you know, yeah. and uh, – I, I don't know. Um, after this this last event, I think I'm feeling even more positive about BlackBerry's prospects to the future. Yeah, that'll definitely be the tide that turns for BlackBerry. The fact that iOS and Android users they can be using BlackBerry software and not feel negative about, about BlackBerry, and it actually gives them an advantage in a sense because I may never use Apple software because in order to use Apple software, they make you get into their ecosystem, except for say iTunes. But even then, like. So I think this is just going to hopefully turn the tide for BlackBerry where people don't need to hate on BlackBerry because just because not everyone has a BlackBerry device doesn't mean you have to hate BlackBerry. You can still use their services. I blend. Blend. It's yeah. just one word. That's all you need to say, you know? Oh, yeah. It's, it's all going to be blend. And, and you're right. I mean, proliferating developed by BlackBerry on other platforms definitely gives them a leg up. It's something I think Apple is going to have to do if they want to keep up in this market. I mean, you gotta you gotta deliver cross platform. That's becoming table stake these days for a lot. That's why WhatsApp has such a great entrenchment of users. You know. Anyway, it's been it's been a great stream, guys. We we covered a lot of different things. Uh, do you guys have any other comments that you wanted to bring up before? Any any thoughts on the Red Passport? Oh, we didn't say anything about that. Yeah, Chen. Chen holds it up like a boss at the end. He's like, yeah. and he puts it away and pulls out a classic. <laughs> here's the front, here's the back. I'm walking now.
<laughs> uh, you know, Red Passport, Black Friday availability, limited, $700. That's all you need to know. <laughs> uh, it looks sick. It's a little bit darker red than something like the LE. Just a little bit darker and a little bit yeah. more like... Uh, crimson, kind of. Yeah, more, a little bit, just a tad more crimson. Uh, there's a photo that's on our BBM channel of it if you want to take a look. He's got the device tilted so you just see the back and you get a good look at it, the, the, the hue of red that it is. It's going right. to just be a little bit darker than the candy race car red that we're used to on the LEZ10s. Yeah. And, I'm, and I'm fine with that. Like It makes it seem just a little bit more professional, you know? Yeah, I would say with the $100 extra, I wonder if it will be like a 64 gigabytes like on, you know, on hand or... That'd be dope, but... But yeah, I mean, I how hard is it? How hard is it? You know, I don't think it'll be a spec change, though. I think it's just you're going to be paying for that limited device, yeah. and rightfully so. I mean, granted, you know, even Apple does it with their product red device. Yeah, just to go on. Yeah, yeah. You pay more for it, so that's cool. I would love. I in the, speaking of like product red, I would love to see BlackBerry, you know, do those things. Like, I mean, not just because it goes to a good cause, but like product red devices. Like, man, those would sell like high case. Yep. Yeah. Oh, I just read the best headline. The best headline. Right. So, like, this this headline goes out as BlackBerry's John Chen kicks company into high gears and turns off music for competitors dancing on the firm's grave. <laughs> that's that's dope. That's a mouthful, but, like, so on point at the same time. Yeah. Anyway, guys, I appreciate having you on. Your insight, as always, is phenomenal. Uh, we'll see you guys next week, certainly. All right. Later. Hey guys. Take it easy, guys.